Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show. And, you know, we're talking about COVID-19 or the coronavirus and what people are doing right now. A lot of them are just quarantined at home most of the time and are remembering the days of uh, what's happening. And so we have David on the line from the National Wildlife Federation. He's a spokesperson. Uh, David, thanks for calling. And you know what's interesting, David, when you talk about what's happening with the coronavirus and uh, COVID-19, we're just really all just trying to batten down the hatches in so many ways. But you're on the show today to give us some better ideas than just a lot of people are just staying in the house and really just uh, trying to survive and with the uncertainty right now. That's right. Well, one of the things that we're trying to get the message out about at the National Wildlife Federation for National Wildlife Week, which is something that we celebrate every year, celebrate, you know, people getting outside and experiencing nature, is that doing that is still something we can do during this pandemic. Number one, first and foremost, everybody needs to take all of the recommendations seriously about physical and social distancing. If you do go out, you know, you want to stay exactly. at least six feet away from people, follow all of those, um, those, those, those roles that we all really need to be doing right now. But you can step outside your door, right into your own yard, right into your own garden, right in your, your neighborhood. And there is nature all around us. And we know, and this is something that we've been talking a lot about at the National Wildlife Federation, how nature can actually help us get through these really tough times. I mean, just getting fresh air, hearing bird songs, seeing all the spring plants and flowers, that can actually calm our, our stress levels. Um, it's good for our health, especially when we're cooped up inside. And so for National Wildlife Week, we're doing something that we're calling the My Wildlife Challenge. And we're trying to get people to share pictures of themselves enjoying nature. And these could be pictures that you took you know, months or weeks ago, you don't necessarily have to go out um, and, and take a picture now. But um, just just sharing that that positive vibe out there with the world and 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 remembering how great nature is and how it can really help us. And so that's a, one of the big things that we're hoping everybody will do this week for National Wildlife Week. And they can upload those photos on the website, which is nationalwildlifeweek.nwf.org. And it's great. It's a great thing to get outside. You stay away and you definitely talk about social distancing. What have you learned, especially because of, you know, this you're telling people to go out there and take pictures of the greatest, beautiful things that are around them in their regular wildlife of life? You know, what what are you telling people that specifically enough enough, uh, uh, you know, might not understand? They might just think that, you know what, we should just stay inside. We're go- we right. shouldn't go outside at all, uh, you know, because th- this is what the governor says. It's a stay at home order. What based on this practice you're trying to tell people the practice makes it still safe. You still are p- practicing social distancing. Kind of explain that in more of uh, more explanation. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I mean, again, the, w- w- uh, there's a misperception, I think, that that when you think about nature, that it's somewhere far away, that it's someplace that you have to travel to. And that's just not the case, even in the middle of the city. Just stepping outside your door into, you know, your own yard or on your own stoop, nature is there. You know, there are migratory birds crossing the country right now. And, you know, listen for them. Um, We've actually got some great resources to teach you bird songs at the National Wildlife Federation as well that you can find on our website. Um, You know, again, just walking your dog around the block could be an experience of connecting to nature. I mean, we all have to do that. And that's allowable, again 
take seriously the physical distancing rules. Don't, you know, get within six feet of people, wear a mask if that makes you feel safer. All of those, you know, those tips that all of our science-based medical professional experts are telling us we need to do. Obviously, that is of utmost importance. But again, we know that when people get outdoors, see the blue sky, again, even if it's right outside their own door where there's no other people around, there really are health benefits, stress reduction benefits, and of course, just you know, the idea of getting to see and, and smell and hear all of the sounds of nature and the sights of nature is actually very, um, it helps um, kind of revive our spirit, if you will. And that's really what we're trying to do during National Wildlife Week is get everybody a little bit of a, of, of a boost of, of good news and positivity because we could all use that right now. Oh, absolutely. We need that right now. And so the examples you're giving is phenomenal. Because again, it gives people this opportunity and to use the website as a tool, you know, social media is great, but this is a great way to get yourself known out there that's saying, Hey, we're living, let's all go outside, enjoy ourselves, especially as our family and just go in the backyard, right? It doesn't have to be, or, or a short walk. It doesn't have to be right. in a, like as a lot of parks are closed now. It doesn't have to be to a park where there's, they're not practicing social distancing, but really trying to show what life is like outside. That's right. And, you know, you mentioned families, too. I mean, I, so many people are just struggling having the kids at home, right? Parents have to be teachers now and, and homeschooling and everything. And so, you know, you can you can kind of incorporate learning into your, your, you know, your outdoor activity, again, in your own yard. And if you go to the National Wildlife Week website, you can just Google it as well. It's nationalwildlifeweek.nwf.org. In addition to the My Wildlife Challenge, where, again, you can share photos of you and your family out in nature and, and enter to win some cool prizes, we've also got a ton of other ways that you and your family can, again, kind of learn about nature, experience nature. We've, we've made all of our Ranger Rick magazine content available for free including educators guides and parent guides and even Spanish editions of our Ranger Rick Jr. You can find links to that all on our guard or on our, our national wildlife week website as well. So we're really trying to help everybody out there cope with the stress of, of everything that this pandemic means while at the same time, remembering that nature is, is out there and it can really help us get through it all. Yeah, no, that's, that's so important. We're going through those things. So let's go with, Let's just say we're just going to venture in our backyard because you're such the you're the expert when it comes to wildlife, the wildlife in our backyard, certain things so that we can give specific assignments and something that I could do with my kids and we could tag that as well. And is it this week or is it next week? We're recording today on Thursday. Is it the end of the week or is it start next week? It's it's April 6th through the 10th is, is the are the official dates of National Wildlife Week, the My Wildlife Challenge. Um, is going on through April 30th. So again, that's where you upload pictures of yourself out in nature, enjoying it, or your favorite pictures of nature, and you can win a really cool outdoor fun prize packet that we're going to give out at, uh, early in May. But you know, you can do this at any time of the year, honestly. And one of my favorite things to do with kids, but anybody can do this, is a little nature scavenger hunt. So before you head outside, you can make a list of maybe five or 10 things, something like as simple as, um, uh, you know, a, a flower, a, uh, a brown leaf, a rock, uh, the call of a bird, you know, it doesn't have to be physical things that you pick up and you make a little list and you give everybody that list. And when you go out again, this could be in your yard. It could be while you're just walking around the block, getting your exercise, walking your dog with the kids, whatever. 
And, you know, maybe you have some prize, maybe the winner, the person who, who finds or, or, you know, can check off as many of these things on the scavenger hunt list as possible. You know, they get some kind of little prize, just a little, little uh, game like that can really reinforce things like observation skills um, in kids and get them, you know, kind of connected to nature around them. And that's really what this is all about. And again, that is good for grownups too. So hope everybody wants to go out and do that. I think so. And it's, it's fun thing because again, it's going to get nicer and nicer out, especially next week, hopefully even warmer. And we're all stuck in and quarantined, hopefully just till May, but who knows how long. And at least we're going to find activities that we can spend with our family that we don't have to drive far. We don't have to walk far. We can just do it right in our backyard and find different things to make it a lot of fun. That's right. And you know, another tip that I have is think about gardening. We've got a whole program called Garden for Wildlife that's all about planting the right things to attract the birds and the butterflies. And, you know, that's something to think about now, too, because even if you can't, you know, go out to the garden center and buy stuff, you know, you can be planning, you know, what, oh, maybe I'm going to, you know, when all of this lifts, we're going to add a, you know, a, a butterfly garden. Now's a great time to be doing that. I'm just kind of thinking about planning, making plant lists and that kind of thing. You can still order seeds online. So if you... You know, you can if, say you want to start a, like just even a herb or vegetable garden. Now is a great time to do that. And and, you know, again, planting a garden is a, is, is a way of connecting with nature as well. Growing your own food. This could be an educational process for kids. You can start the seeds inside and in little Dixie cups or something like that. So, you know, these are activities that we can do while we are all social distancing and while we're indoors um, you know, we can plan, we can mail order seeds, things like that. So that's something that I would encourage everybody to do as well right now. Really fun activity that'll have a reward on your dinner plate eventually. So, yeah. And the best place for all those ideas is at the website again. Give us the website again. Yeah. That's right. It's nationalwildlifeweek.nwf.org. And NWF is for National Wildlife Federation. And uh, tell us more about the organization. We've heard of it in so many ways, but kind of explain that between uh, the difference between, I guess, the WWF and this yep. and you guys. What's the difference? Yeah, the National Wildlife Federation is America's conservation organization. We've been around since 1936. We're one of the oldest and largest wildlife conservation and education groups that are out there. We focus here on America's wildlife as opposed to some other groups that are working on a more global scale. But we, you know, we're fighting for strong uh, wildlife protection laws. We're getting people connected to nature. We've been publishing Ranger Rick magazine for decades. We do a lot of work, again, to connect people to nature. We've got a fantastic program called Garden for Wildlife. So all sorts of different ways that we're working to, again, make sure that we have a future where we have healthy wildlife populations and where people can, you know, have a, uh, you know, a wild world out there to go outside and enjoy. Fabulous. Well, I appreciate you coming by and chatting with us. I appreciate uh, the time and uh, thanks for coming on. I will definitely do this and we'll tag this and we'll put this in our photos and do the scavenger hunt as a family next week. So thanks for calling. Fantastic. Thanks for All having right, me. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show and we'll be back in just a moment. Hey guys, what's going on? I'm live here just to kind of update what happened last night on the video, see how everyone's doing, the whole nine yards. Uh, you know, um, it's just a, a kind of situation that we're dealing with 
and I want to give you an update on the coronavirus, uh, just different things. Last night's live uh, show last night kind of want to really uh, understand and check out and see what's going on. Somehow I'm not even showing up live right now. I know I'm live, but it's not showing up. Yeah, I'm, I'm right now. That Basically kind of just wanting to update everyone. Last night's show, we had about 80 streaming live, and then Facebook suppressed it. Uh, they decided, and I want you to comment on this in certain ways. We were talking and having fun with a bunch of conspiracy theories. But what frustrates me, especially when you have someone like Frank Cavallaro, a esteemed broadcast colleague, Pete Canavan, another very great uh, media guy, and somebody like Don Zeno, another guy that's been on terrestrial radio and everything, and Facebook decides to hide us because we're just kind of just trying to talk about stuff to entertain people. Yeah, maybe some of our um, some of our things, in my opinion, uh, you know, were wrong. I mean, are kind of crazy conspiracies. But as you saw today, that what came out, you know, China knew. China has lied. They really. There's a lot more uh, problems with the virus. So I want people to comment if you have any questions or comments, and tell me what you think. And it's just like it's just a frustration that we're in this situation based on China's ignorance in so many ways. So if I try to share this, by the way, last night's video, go to my wall, you can watch it. Last night's video was stopped. Basically, we cannot, and I'll tell you this a hundred times, we cannot watch it. I cannot share it in any more groups and explain things. And I'm saying hello to everybody that's coming on and go ahead and comment uh, when you're checking in and stuff. Uh, but I mean, it's just, it's a frustration. Tell me what you're frustrated about with this coronavirus, being forced to do what you, you know, be stuck in this house. And now to find out that intelligence has said that China truly is involved and they lied about the numbers and we're blaming our president for making mistakes. When ultimately at the end of the day, we shouldn't blame our president. We should blame specifically China lying. That's the scapegoat in this whole process. China lied to us. They said, oh, the virus is only for uh, old people. That was a complete lie. So we had allow this virus to spread like wildfire in our country. And we find out there's deaths of all ages. So the whole thing about just old people, absolute lies. So why is Facebook suppressing things like that? Why aren't we hearing this from different places? Why isn't Bill Gates going ahead and saying something and, and everything? Like Bill saying, you know, here, here's the situation that what's happening is China lied. This virus is much da more dangerous. We saw people like uh, Dr. Oz coming on saying it wasn't a dangerous because our intelligence showed us we believe China. Why the heck would we believe China? Just like when we force feed ourselves to bust kids' butts in school, just saying because China is number one in math and this and that, and we have to be the same way. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. That doesn't really matter, you know, when you think about that. So comment when you have questions. I see my good friend, the, the great country boy Chris has checked in. You know, I remember the one Facebook Live I was doing, and I had to finally delete it when I was driving back from New York City. So I just said, you know what, guys, you can't see my face. Trust me. So I'm using StreamYard to do this because I need to shave. I need to shave like uh, who knows what. I need to shave. Um, I, I can't, I can't get my haircut, beard cut anymore. Uh, all those different things, but I want to know what you think this whole thing, China 
is to blame. It was on Fox. Did you guys see it on anything else? Say, oh, Neil, you're watching Fox News. I've been watching CNN most of the time uh, instead of, you know, MSNBC or Fox. So I decided to tune into Fox and Fox brought up the whole thing about China. We brought it up on our show. Uh, I brought up the whole fact that it was involving bats from one of my colleagues, one of my clients, Dr. Christopher Hall. He brought up bats. He brought up the whole thing with the drugs that are going to treat this virus. Why are we not in the know? And we need to allow media to be able to have their say on platforms like this. We can't call fit. And you know what? I'm sure they're suppressing this video again. I just felt like going live and maybe we'll see if I can even share it because Facebook wants to censor people. Ladies and gentlemen, we're all on Facebook being these fools just to see if we can get a specific amount of likes when they are suppressing our materials. They're not allowing certain posts to go through. They're not allowing us to post specific things. If it's anything controversial, Facebook doesn't want you to see it unless it meets their agenda. Comment if you have questions or thoughts about it. Uh, you know, that's a great point Chris just meant. I wonder if war with China is possible. Your thoughts? It could be. Now, the reason it could be is there could be setting up a new thing. It's very interesting. I've been, I did an episode where I interviewed the person that was part of Charlie Wilson's war. And she mentioned that China, Afghanistan, Iraq, I, I mean, I'm sorry, Iran, uh, China, South Korea, I mean, North Korea are all allies in Russia. So at the end of the day, they could form an evil power and, and invade us at our worst point. I mean, we watch these shows about these bioterrorism type things. What if China really just wanted to do that? But we're just talking about things because we want to know the truth. And the truth came out today that China's lying. So I'm, I'm right now having my juji fruits and, and I'm down here in the office. And I just thought, I'm just going to come on live because I miss you guys. And uh, comment and tell me what you think. What's news with you? I'm going to go ahead and jump into the comment section as well. But I mean... At the end of the day, guys, I want to know what you think about China. And this is me doing rant, ranting and raving tonight. And I didn't want to put that out there because, you know, Facebook knows we're going to rant and rave. What are your thoughts about Facebook suppressing information? What are your thoughts about Facebook deciding what people can see and not see? Do you like that? Do you really like that? And I do have my co-host, School Choice guy. I'm bringing him right on. Uh, Mr. Ed Temple. Ed, how are you? And you can start trying to share. So I used StreamYard for the first time. And the reason I did, because we wanted to go live with the great Frank Cavallero and Don Zeno, uh, Ed. And what are your thoughts on this whole fact Facebook did not let us share this material because we were talking conspiracy last time? What are your thoughts, Ed? Oh, sorry. I'm doing my using my phone, so it's the quality is not the greatest. But can you say that again? No, I said, what do you think of the whole fact that they're suppressing our information and that fate and that basically Facebook uh, decided uh, to not let us share the video last night about our conspiracy theories? We, I even, oh, yeah, that page, I can't even share it. I can, uh, yeah, I'm not, I, not surprised at all. I've been in Facebook jail, yeah, I just got out of Facebook jail, jail recently. So, what okay. well, as I'm having some juju fruits and you could talk, but. The point is that this video is unshareable. Uh, what are they doing? Why are they doing this when we want to talk about things? Because we're so in the dark of what's truly happening with this virus. Yeah. I, I mean, Facebook has a habit of uh, censoring free speech unless it's from the 
their perspective. Same thing. Twitter does the same thing. Not as bad as Facebook, but they both do that. And what's the purpose for them doing that? What do you think is the purpose of them doing is having certain information not out there and allowing certain information when this is supposed to be social media. It's not supposed to be what happened to freedom of the press in so many ways for people to talk um, about. Yeah. Look, yeah, I'd say look no further than the guys uh, leading the panic movement, which would be Bill Gates, who also is part of the movement to uh, uh, population control movement. Bill Gates, you have, um, oh, what's the uh, Facebook uh, CEO and owner? I can't, Zuckerberg. Uh, yep. You have the two of them are both population control folks that are on the far left that are have a habit of uh, wanting to control information. And they love the fact that we're, uh, you know, we're, we're getting right now, the way society is right now with this panic, it's, we are getting used to being uh, manipulated and controlled by the government. So that's where somebody with lots of money right now needs to create an opposite to Facebook to allow people to truly have their voice. Uh, I think that that would be a fantastic thing if somebody could come up with that so that basically we could all boycott Facebook when they do certain things like this to us. So again, you see they're not getting their Facebook advertising anymore, their dollars. But even though ads have come back, Thanks again. We have a date when, when the economy is going to come back again. It, it's crazy. For sure. It's, uh, it's spooky. Like I said, I, I went in Facebook jail. They never gave me an explanation. Just said I violated something and I never did figure that out. And so that cost me a, a lot of uh, who knows what it cost me in terms of how many people that could have got information that they may have needed. You know, like for example, uh, we were doing uh, school choice shows, and heck, a lot of that information people could have used, let's say, just to get their kids signed up to uh, to have the ability for school choice. But uh, and because of the censorship, we weren't able to do that. But you know, my issue is small compared to a lot of other people that that are constantly getting shut down. And Zuckerberg admitted that his staff uh, is in the habit of doing that. He said, "Well, you know, we have a our Silicon Valley crew are." Big time progressive lefties, and and they have a real habit of censoring information that's not in their ideological way of thinking. He got in front of Congress and admitted this, so it's but not a surprise at all. They they're listening right now to my conversation. I just put in the comments, share my video. I bet you won't be able to share it in about ten minutes. I didn't put anything in this specific uh, situation and thing. And I want to also talk tonight because this is not just about last night's video it's more about i want to talk about the whole situation that's happening with us being self-quarantined how we have no rights anymore and i, I think it's it's we got to save lives and do different things but the whole thing about the whole world becoming homeschooling forced in this fact i want your take ed because again you're in a private school that at least has the resources available while some of these public school teachers are just copying their lesson plans sending it to them and saying parents you teach it which is absolute garbage. That's why my business of back tutoring kids is booming right now because of the fact that teaching is not, uh, they're not teaching their kids anymore. So go. I'm, I, I love what uh, my good friend, country boy, Chris, I use his gimmick name for pro wrestling commenting. And I'll let you talk, Ed. But I'm just, I mean, the whole thing about, we've lost complete rights in America. We don't have any freedoms right now. 
and they want to have a complete United States shutdown of everything. And what will that mean compared to state by state doing it, right? Yeah, I think um, right now, yeah, everything's getting shut down. They're even uh, crossing that line with the churches and telling them they have to take jailing pastors and things. So they're, they have definitely crossed that fine line of uh, going way too far. And so I'm looking at it either at two, one of two extremes. Either our government has done like China and misrepresented information and it's way worse, or this is way overblown and no worse than the flu. So I'm not sure which extreme we're in, but something doesn't jive. The number of deaths is far less than the common flu. And the fact that we're shutting everything down for this and we didn't shut it down for any other panic, it just so happens that our, the United States is, uh, has taken over as the lone superpower. China was you know, sort of at our feet, getting whatever we want from them in terms of uh, all kinds of deals. The whole country was pretty much in, or in subordination to us. And then all of a sudden, this craziness starts happening. And now we're, you know, things are, the, we're, we're having Russia uh, helping us out. So here's a country that was, you know, vying for power, but couldn't reach that threshold with us. And now all of a sudden they're back in the play. They're, they're in the game again, just be, because of this panic that so far, uh, again, hasn't had the, if you're talking about death toll, right. it's, it's nowhere near even the flu. So if you don't panic for the flu, why are you panicking for this? It's just because something's I not adding up. And, the, and this is me as a journalist from get, taking both sides. I watch both CNN and Fox, and I, I watch every type of media network, read all the different outlets, and take both sides of the story. Very interesting. And I and, and spinning and all this, but the fact of the matter is because we don't know who has it. So why can't we mandate to have everyone tested in the country, spend that money on specific things and other things that we're funding people that are already working? So, like for example, Ed, if everyone in your household's working, let's put that money instead of a check to people just to get the economy going, and let's get everyone tested in the whole country. Then, if you have to test multiple, you know, then you could see how big this number is, right? And then you contain specific areas that are bad, and then mm -hmm. decide when you want to bring back the economy. But what we did is we kind of allowed each state to do this, and each state can't make decisions on what's best for the country. But we, as a country, are made up of states. So we have a totally different situation. We could never be a lockdown like Italy or France or Germany because they don't have the rights that we have. So at the end of the day, we're kind of watching every pattern of everybody else while we're completely different people, completely different than anywhere in the world. We're, 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 we're just, we're, so I can't, in my opinion, we cannot um, compare ourselves to anybody else. So any way that we do this and the intelligence that we did not get from China, the, the, the lies and it's, from intelligence from China, absolutely seems to smell more more worse than that. Later on, we might find out that China did release this. What do we do then if we find out this was a terrorist attack by China or another or another power to try to destroy our economy? What would you do? Well, uh, first off, I just read an or wrote an article just about this, which is about uh, Doctor Boyle, who. Uh, is uh has exposed this and he's talked about how you know in winnipeg uh, canada they have the level four 
uh, lab, and he says if it's a level four lab, and then then that's bioterrorism because there's nothing else that they're doing. It's ex except studying the type of uh, bacteria and viruses that are used in bio warfare. So whether by accident or not, when they're making these things, uh, if something were to happen, then it's 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 not it's not an innocent thing. It's not innocuous. The other thing is too is in that Winnipeg level four lab these guys have uh, been they had to fire a team of uh, doctors and their students they got them out of there too but uh these are these are award-winning scientists they're top scientists in the world and they just so happen to be going back and forth to a particular place in china called wuhan and they kept going back and forth to another just developed in 2017 or 18 another level four lab in China, in Wuhan, where this vi virus originated. Well, it just so happened that they were messing with that original form of SARS. According to Dr. Boyle, it was a original form of SARS. See, Corona is a type of SARS, and, and it's just been magnified. So in other words, they were tweaking it, making it much worse in Canada. And it just so happened to end up in China, by the by the uh, the group the doctor the female doctor and then she had some others there with her that uh you know that that got fired and coincidentally i'm sure just so happened to be working with the same exact institution that's in the same city and has the level four lab of where this virus was originated so i don't think there's i mean if you want to believe in all those coincidences uh, uh that's fine but um, my guess is they were making bio bio warfare material, whether they, you know, whether China used it on purpose or it got, you know, some exposure, that's irrelevant. The real two questions, number one, uh, why was Canada making bio warfare uh, chemicals? And two, if it if they weren't making it, their researchers certainly had something to do with it, or at least got the got the knowledge from there or got the equipment to able to, to teach the Wuhan, Wuhan Chinese uh, laboratory themselves. However it worked out, whether it was on purpose or whether it was accidental, bottom line is that uh, anytime you're, you're, you know, you're, you're making that, the, the bio weapons, guess what? You are participating in bio warfare, whether it was for that moment or not. Clearly, there's something fishy going on. Absolutely. Well, let's go from this. I'm taking away from political to what's going on in school. We have Ed Temple, who's the teacher, and myself, who's a tutor. And we're both in so many ways having to wear more of a hat at home because of the quarantine. How are things going on at home? And this is more of the discussion. Now we're adding to the discussion of today's uh, program and talk about homeschooling your kids and also talk about specifically enough what's happening. I know certain schools are doing the right thing, but other schools are not. And how really we can assess when we can't ever go anywhere. So by mandating kids stay home and it's probably going to be till the rest of the year, the way we're talking that they are talking other people spring. So let's just say the whole school year is thrown out. What is your thought as a teacher where kids are now being forced to go to be to be homeschooled and basically get schooled at home, especially when you have working parents. Well, I think you're finding out 
a lot of different things about society. One, how uh, um, I think there's going to be a lot after all this is said and done. I think there's going to be a lot more students that are, are doing homeschooling or online schooling. And I know that there's a lot of in Columbus, the Columbus City Schools were not prepared for this. They didn't have any lessons prepared or anything. And so they're scrambling to figure out what to do. They're, you know, just trying to to uh, find a way to get to this, get students uh, Chromebooks, for example. Right. That's what Pittsburgh and, Public is dealing with right now. And they're starting to get to that process, but not not prepared at all for this. No, they're not. And, and they're because of the teacher union has so much authority there. There's very little, um, you know, there's there's a lot of pushback. So they're, they're not getting much done, except in the case of special ed students, because those teachers have federal mandates. So the big difference. So they're they're getting they're getting work already. But as uh, far as our kids, our kids, a lot of uh, a lot of what we do at our school is uh, we use some online programs already as well. Uh, we you know, we use both paper, books, paper, pencil, and a good attitude, plus the online program. So for math, it was a <clears throat> relatively easy transition because, uh, because you know, I, a lot of what I do is online, but there are other classes, uh, their teachers are adapting, starting to use Zoom and, uh, and, and getting, you know, we were prepared for, we had already had lessons and so on. Now there's, the issue is, is there's still a significant number of students that either don't have the technology or they don't have the internet or they don't, you know, there's, there's a lot of different issues. Um, and so, so there's still some, some issues. I'd say probably 75 or 80% of the kids are, you know, are, are in, are, are transitioning into this. No problem. I shouldn't say the word, no problem. They're transitioning in slowly, but surely there's still another, you know, 20% that we're trying to figure out what's going on, whether it's a, you know, a technology, whether they don't have a computer, they don't have the internet or they don't, uh, you know, they, who knows that they may be stuck in, you know, maybe, I don't know, they may be quarantined somewhere, who knows? But the point is that there's, it's not a hundred percent effective so far. I will say though, that I'm sh based on folks on Twitter and, and uh, Facebook and just hearing comments and seeing comments or, you know, hearing people say things about it. There's a lot of people that are, that are like, Hey, I want to get these kids back out of here. I don't know what to do with them. And then there's, uh, the, the opposite effect. I think there's a lot of folks that are seeing, you know what, one of the fears we had, we wanted to homeschool our kids. We didn't know how it, it would get done. And now they're figuring it out. It's one of the biggest fears of public schools. That's pu public schools are, uh, even convincing some governors to stop allowing those, uh, students while they're home to get on online uh, schooling, even though some of these online schools are offering it for free while they're, you know, in transition and right. uh, they're being told they're not allowed to because it's becoming so popular. And so it's definitely, um, you're, you're going to see a lot of permanent damage probably to the, to the public school systems because um, people are going to figure out it's much safer to be at home and they can probably learn just as much or more at home and not bring home all the bad values or have to worry about their kids being in danger when they're at school. So I think this will, this will, this is going to have a, a lasting effect on, on education. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that, you know, we look at the, and we know that I knew this from day one as a proponent of homeschooling that, um, 
this is it. The, there's a lot of time wasted in school. I hate to say this. I'm a former teacher. I know this, Ed. That if you homeschool your kids and you could do it at a great job, this is the best. This is the best option for you. It's a challenge. It's very hard to educate them in the home, and so that's where the whole quarantine mandate. Certain kids just are not do not work well to be homeschooled. It's just it's just not in there. Uh, but some others really do well, and sometimes the education, the amount of time we waste doing busy work versus really teaching skills, and that's why you're such a school choice advocate. Myself as well is unbelievable We're not, the teaching to the test as you see once you get rid of all that and it goes down to we got to assess these kids just for a grade till the rest of the year the situation so uh, the next question the point i'm going to bring out is homeschooling doesn't work for everyone what about if you have special needs kids what if you have kids that have severe behavior problems should you force the parents to educate them in this environment yeah, that's um, yeah, that and that's uh, one one that's one of the things that you see again on on places like Twitter, where there's a I I have a lot of uh, folks that follow me on Twitter that are that are uh, have special needs kids, and that is definitely an issue. It's definitely an issue when you're talking about uh, those with special needs. That's which <clears throat> you know that's if they're under the uh, federal guidelines, they're, they're that's the first kids they're gonna they're going to make sure they get their uh, education because by law they have to. One of the good things about that, uh, the federal mandates about that. Yeah, they're starting to do that, but it's not working. They're going to try to do them in Google Classroom. The whole bottom line in all this is that uh, you're this whole thing, and this is what I don't like so far, and this is going to be me and saying this is ridiculous. My school district, Pine Richland School District, and I'm going to put out all out right now here on Facebook. So Facebook, maybe you could suppress that as well. It's pretty much just copying lesson plans and sending it us and expecting us to do the work. Well, I want the check then. I want to get paid for it. If you're going to send me the lesson plan, I want paid for it. Bottom line, I want the money that you're receiving when you're at home. If you're just sending me a lesson plan, and especially if you have, let's say, only teaching 20 kids, right, self-contained, and you send us the lesson plan say, it's up to you, parents. You take care of it. A lot of parents are just smiling now. It's two, three weeks in. It's nice I'm educating my kids. Well, it's going to get old but when it starts warming up. When it gets to May and you're going to be having a force to be stuck with kids in the house trying to do six hours of work, that is absolutely ridiculous. So this is where my mouth comes out. There are teachers just copying lesson plans, Ed, and sending it to them, having no real videos and saying, go ahead, teach your kids. Kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and saying, you know, my wife who's a teacher can handle this. But imagine if you're not trained as a teacher. Yeah, fair point. Uh, that's, uh, you know, the good thing about what I'm, you know, for me, I teach math, obviously. And, you know, there's there's kids that have question, <coughs> questions about it, which is why we, um, you know, for uh, for myself, I my rule is uh, as far as the online material is you throw me an email and we can get on uh, StreamYard as a live thing or we can just be on StreamYard together and and uh, we, we we can work it out that way. Uh, or if they've, uh, if it's the same question, somebody else answered, I can pull them up to a YouTube that's, uh, on the same subject and maybe one that we've already, uh, covered through that stream yard. So 
but yeah, we try to, we try to, uh, make compensate for that enough for math. Let's be honest. It's, there's a video on YouTube for, you can pretty much name any subject in math and there's, there's a how to video on it. However, you know, maybe they still have questions and that's fine, but that's why I gave them my, uh, they have uh, my school email, which, you know, I, it's much harder to use a school email than just a Google email, but either way it goes, I can go back and check those emails constantly. They're constantly, you know, sending me work, but very few of them will say, Hey, I can't do it. You know, can you help me with this? For the most part, they, you know, for math, there's, well, there's all kinds of sites to help. There's also sites, you know, as everybody should know by now that they can do what's called photo math and all this other, uh, I call it cheating because it, it, you can copy the problem and it pulls I up. Know, the answer. I know I, as I've tutored a lot of kids that just, just decide to utilize that at one point. I forget the name of it, gives the answers. Now, Ed, I'm going to be devil's advocate on you on this and say, Ed, I know you teach high school. If at least they can be self-taught. They're ready. They're getting ready for college. But if you're talking elementary kids or a fifth grader and you say, guess what? We're not going to instruct you the whole day. And you're going to be stuck with your parents. and You have to do three hours, four hours of work or just be copying lesson plans. And you're in kindergarten, first grade, second grade. Is that really or what are they really doing the whole day? That teacher. Yeah, that's a good point. They that's they should first off. Uh kids shouldn't be quarantined for this in the first place is they don't uh they're not really affected by the unless they have some other major health issues but but they are so uh they should at least be doing some type of uh, uh you know like i said a zoom or a streaming or some kind of video conference at a minimum maybe even a skype owner gave the basically any school district the free access to zoom uh during this time that anyone that's yeah, and then well, what's the problem with Zoom and all these? The problem is a lot of these kids are, are being raised with grandma, grandpa, don't know how to use the technology. And uh, and so a lot of them don't end up getting on it. That's So the issue is you still, you know, like you said, you mentioned high school. Yeah, the high school kids can figure out how to get on. But, you know, you take an elementary kid being raised by grandma, grandpa. And they're not necessarily going to know how to do that. Even my uh, dentist told me today, you know, he said, hey, I have one computer in the house. He said, we never used computers to do homework when I was in college. So I'm not real tech savvy. Right. And uh, so I'm, he said he's struggling, you know, to teach the kid, you know, to homeschool a kid, basically, because he's not tech savvy. And they're telling him he's got to get on the computer, basically, to, to get the work. Right, exactly. And that's that's the point. And I guess the final point in my ranting, but the thing is we're forcing parents to not just be the first teacher in the home, but have to teach lessons, teach lesson plans and teach the entire lesson. And I'm seeing it straight in my school district. The bottom line, the way if I was a principal of a school district that has the technology, right? And we, we were provided laptops. So these teachers should be engaging our kids like three to four hours a day where they probably are looking at privacy issues, but all you got to do is basically make it like the student's name and they don't have to show the camera and they're online while the teachers are teaching. Uh, that's what I would have done. And that's what cyber schools do. So they should be consulting with the best cyber schools in the country. And, but again, we didn't have that emergency fund. We didn't have that emergency game plan in place uh, at all. all. Right. So, and that's I have the, a uh, they will now. I think they will. Uh, but again, as I see, I think this is awesome. 
because I'd rather educate my kids. I spend the weekends doing at least half the work for my kids because about five kids that we have to educate. And to expect one person to educate five kids six hours a day, each one of them in individual levels, that's impossible. Right. Big families, that ridiculous. So I work on work with them as a teacher all weekend uh, to make sure that the more, certain subjects are taken care of in different situations. So that's it. Well, so that's my take. I want to know your take. You guys can go ahead and check me out on Twitter at Total Tutor. Uh, follow me all these different places and different things. And I got a great uh, uh, comment from someone really quickly before we leave. Uh, my youngest is three and a half years old, so no school yet. My 15-year-old's in Texas where my ex-wife is doing his classwork online. My worry is if my ex got sick, could I even drive there to help or get or get my kids? They have been shutting state lines down. So that's great with the whole civil liberties thing and all that. All great questions, James, and it was fun going online. Uh, for people, I'm going to be doing a training on Google Classroom, I guess, tomorrow night uh, via StreamYard. In my group, Ask the Total Tutor, because uh, I'll use StreamYard, and Ed was a big proponent of it, but Ed, when I was not, it's a great proponent if you're in your studio at your house. It's not a great proponent if you're working in your car. So Zoom works much better <laughs> if you work in your car, but if you work in your office, StreamYard is the better thing. Uh, pick up Ed's book. So Ed, tell us about your book and where people can purchase that. Escape from Uncle Sam's Plantation. And you can purchase it uh, just about uh, every place you can think of. It sells books online. Easiest place is Amazon. It's also by far the cheapest place to buy it on. Not that I'm suggesting you buy it there. But if you really wanted to get it cheap, Amazon's your best bet. So again, I guess we'll call this the school choice show with surprise uh, guest, uh, the host, Ed Temple. I miss doing the school choice show with him. He'll have to kind of see that it was making a difference and you got very busy, but now we are all back and look at this. I hate when we start seeing this stream of uh, people again, but hey guys, you got to go check it out. Share it. Let's see if we can at least share this video and tell every parent you're doing a great job. My point is that if you're in danger of losing your job, that's the last point I don't like is we shouldn't be forcing these kids to, to have mastery and expect the parents to get everything done. We have to think of everyone in this country and a lot of people are out of work right now. And let's pray that this will be over. You're saying you don't know when it's going to be over, uh, but we, it's got to be over soon. And, and, and hopefully we'll be back to normal again, but online is where everyone needs to go. Cause it's the, it's the next a big thing. And everyone's going to talk technology from the coronavirus if another virus comes by. All right, Ed. We'll talk soon. Okay, take care. All right, that was the School Choice Show, everyone. We're back to the Neil Haley Show on the Author's Corner segment. I'm excited to welcome to the program Sheik Lacey. She's the author of Jacoby and Me and has a tremendous story. Sheik, thanks for calling. How are you? 
I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Or how are you surviving the coronavirus? Update us for your fans. Oh well, um, it's honestly it's not really that hard for me because with Jacoby already being on, I'm um, having a trach. We're used to kind of staying in the house, especially during flu season, where this is the highest time for him to get sick. Um, so we're surviving. We just have our nurses come and me and my son, and that's it. All right. So let's kind of go to basically your story before Jacoby. Kind of go into that story, like what you were doing before having Jacoby and what your life was before Jacoby. Then we'll go into Jacoby and then we'll go into specifically the book. Okay. Like who you were, kind of your story, your background before having your COVID. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm sorry. I thought you were. <laughs> no, that's okay. Sorry. I'm like. No, that's uh... okay. No, you got it. You got it. Okay. That's cool. Um, so before Jacoby. Okay. So um, I actually had just graduated from the Ohio Media School and I had my podcast going. Um, I started a nonprofit. Uh, before finding out I was pregnant called Forever DC because my brother was killed in the summer of 2017. So I started a nonprofit towards the area um, where I grew up, which was the Linden area. And it was just about helping youth and exposing them to different things that you're not exposed to living in a certain type of community. So my main focus at in 2018 um, was getting that off of the ground, meeting with people secretaries of state and just doing a bunch of different stuff um, to do entertainment. I was working backstage, doing concerts, interviewing people. It was actually amazing. Wow. Okay. And, and yeah. And the, yeah. the amazing uh, times and that point, and now your life changed. And so a lot of people would say, you know, and this is one of your messages you chose to have Jacoby and explain you knew what was going to happen, but you still chose pro-life. You still chose to bring this beautiful life here, even when you had all these things going on and you could have done something different. Yes, I definitely could have chosen. Um, I could have chosen something different. I found out that Jacoby had a rare kind of dorsism when we went for to find out the gender, my 20 week checkup and his femur was small. It wasn't measuring. So once I seen that, um, my OB immediately got me to a specialist. Once we went to the specialist, they were not able to say exactly what it was because it was too soon. So I had to get my MEO, fluid tested, got it tested, came back, he had a lethal form of dorsism. When the paternal, the maternal fetal medicine doctor told me, he said I only had two weeks left to say if I would terminate him because in the state of Ohio, it's 22 weeks. And at that time, I was 20 weeks. And that was, um, that was very, very hard because I didn't know what life looked like having a child like Jacoby, but the way that it was presented to me was he wouldn't be normal. He would look weird. Um, And it was just, it was presented to me as if like this baby would just not be worthy of life. And I decided to keep him because 
at this point, I had already felt him moving and growing inside of me. I'm five months pregnant. I couldn't imagine terminating my pregnancy. So during my whole pregnancy from August until January, um, at first it was hard because every doctor's appointment I went to, my doctor told me Jacoby was going to die. Every appointment. And I had to see him once a week. Um, so that was a lot until I reported him because I was just like, you know what, if you can't say anything positive, I've already given you my decision on what it is that I want to do with my son. And every time I come in here, you keep telling me that I should put him on hospice as soon as he's born. So once I said something to him, um, it got better, but not really. So long story short, I ended up getting a new doctor because that doctor wasn't there. And it was like she was an angel sent from above. As soon as she met me, she was just awesome. She was very optimistic and she followed my goals. I said, this is what I wanted to do. And she left it at that. It wasn't a conversation of, you know, he's not going to make it. Um, I ended up getting on Facebook, reaching out to people and someone informed me that I can ask for extreme measures. My doctor never told me that. He told me that they would put morphine patches on Jacoby's cheeks and he would just pass away and not be in pain. I didn't know Jacoby could get a breathing tube to help him breathe and be hooked up to a ventilator. Once I found that out, that was my option. I met with children. I told them my goals. I met with Riverside. I told them what my goals were and everybody agreed with me and they did what they were supposed to do. And Jacoby is 14 months now. What and what did your mindset, you know, about wanting pro life and to really want Jacoby to live? Did you have a strong faith that got you through those hard times when the doctors were saying that he's probably not going to live? Yes. Um, my faith definitely had a whole lot to do with it. Like, without prayer and God and my family and friends just encouraging me. Um, not even really encouraging me because nobody had ever gone through this. Like as many people as we know, nothing had like this had ever happened. And this thing with like Jacoby, this mutation, it's not genetics. I got tested. His dad got tested. It was nothing to do with us. It was one of those one-off things. And it happens to one in 50,000 people. So it was just really like super weird, but I prayed about it. And during my pregnancy, I just looked at it as if this is my last time that I'm going to have with him, then I'm going to make the best out of best out of it. I pulled back from social media and I focused on the baby I was carrying and my nine-year-old at the time. And we took uh, pictures, maternity pictures, and I took a bunch of videos of him moving in my stomach because if that was all that I was going to have, I was still going to make sure I had something. And um, that positivity and that mindset of he's coming home and um, he's going to be okay, that's what got me here. And that's important. You talk about the faith because then he is a definite uh, representation of of pro-life in so many ways when people talk about terminating a baby because of a defect or certain uh, disability that people say, okay, you can go ahead and uh, terminate at a specific stage. And so you're, were you always an advocate of pro-life? Yeah, I've never, um, I mean, abortion is for me, 
I just, I can't, I, I'm not able to do it. If my baby was going to pass away, then he was going to pass away. But I wasn't going to take that option of giving him a fighting chance just because of something the doctor said. And doctors say stuff all the time. Once Jacoby actually was born, the doctors, a specific doctor only said Jacoby would last for two weeks. He was like, he'll make it two weeks and, you know, you all might want to start planning for the worst. He tried to get me to sign a DNR because he said that if Jacoby needs to have CPR at that point, he's dead already. So there's no point of them doing all of that. And I told them, absolutely not. I'm not signing a DNR. And my son, again, made it past two weeks. And that's that's uh, and that's that's tremendous. And that's an interesting uh, thing that you believe in. And it's such a amazing thing. So why did you write the book? OK, your your life is busy. It's very busy. Uh, you lost a lot of different things that you used to do for Jacoby. But what made you want to write the book? So I wanted to write the book because. Jacoby loves being read to. He loves books and he loves pictures. So that's what triggered the idea of writing the book. But also, I have my 10-year-old. I wanted him to feel as included as possible. So even with me writing the book, Amir had a huge part in what do you think about this? He told me to add stuff. He said to take stuff out. I just wanted us three to have something that would, that would also help other families. It's, even when I looked at books for people in a situation um, such as ours, it's not a lot of kids explaining their feelings and their siblings and how they deal with it. And I thought that having it from Amir's perspective would be able to help people of all ages. And also, the book touches on Jacoby's dwarfism, which I want to bring more awareness to. So if other mothers do happen to be one of those 1 in 50,000, then it gives them hope. Because that's something that I didn't have in the beginning. I didn't have a resource until I joined the group, and it was only two mothers in there that helped me and guided me and gave me advice. My book can reach millions of mothers who could be going through maybe not the same diagnosis, but their kid might feel a certain type of way because they're back and forth in the hospital. Jacoby spent six months in the hospital. He came home and had to go back to the hospital to have surgery on his brain. So that that's a lot. And to have a child going through that, that does understand what's going on, I thought it was important to touch on that and to let other kids know they're not alone having a sibling with special needs. And that's such a great point you're making, having a sibling with special needs. And so you're touching upon the group of dwarfism. You're talk, touching in the group of any family that has a child who's diagnosed with special needs or some sort of medical condition. You're also touching on the pro-life movement, a movement that is being fought against tremendously because of the thought process. Oh, just terminate the baby and go ahead and go with your life. And life doesn't matter. And if we, especially in this time of the coronavirus, uh, don't think life matters, then why do we practice social distancing? If we're going to kill the youngest that cannot, you know, uh, defend themselves, why are we social distancing? Because then we just decide to just uh, 
let people die. So in a lot of ways, this experience of this pandemic hopefully will teach people that are not pro-life to be pro-life because their life was in danger and they can defend themselves by staying away from people, but the littlest people can't. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Most powerful thing, you've had some things go viral, especially 